Welcome back. Um, you know, at least, you know, you're able to fly these days. You're, you're allowed to leave the country, go places. Um, but flying has, has been a frustrating experience as of late. Certainly what we saw over the holidays, all kinds of challenges and delays. Now, there are a lot of reasons for that, to be sure. One of the problems, though, that needs to be dealt with is lack of, of people, specifically a lack of pilots. If you don't have a pilot, you're not going anywhere. It's kind of crucial when it comes to uh, the airline industry. So what's the situation as it pertains to pilot availability? I mean, that's been a factor, and, and you know, a lot of people could speak to that directly. You know, I missed my flight. My flight didn't happen. It got delayed. It got canceled because we didn't have a pilot. Now, certainly the airlines shouldn't be scheduling flights unless they know they have a pilot. But uh, what is the challenge when it comes to finding pilots? Now, one of the, the issues that's arisen here in Canada is that you've had some, some upstarts. Uh, Swoop, Flair, Lynx. Uh, so there are more airlines. And it seems like they're fighting over pretty much the same number of pilots. So how much of a problem is this and how do we address that? Well, joining us uh, for some analysis, very pleased to welcome the program uh, here this morning, Mike Doron, uh, who's president of uh, Moncton-based uh, Doron Aviation Consulting. Uh, Mike, good to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Uh, thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, so when we look at all of the issues plaguing the airline industry right now, everything that might have contributed to those big delays and problems over the holidays, where does pilot availability seem to rank? Well, there's no question that the, the entire industry, not just the airlines, the entire flying industry, if you will, is, is experiencing a, a, a significant issue with uh, recruiting sufficient pilots to meet all the needs of the, of, of the growth of the industry. We, we've effectively had the perfect storm happen in the last probably three or four years. Now, first of all, the, the, this problem has been looming on the horizon for the last 20 plus years. It's not it's not unknown. A lot of people ignored it, but I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's here. Uh, and when I say the perfect storm, we've had COVID, which basically accelerated the retirement of a lot of senior pilots. Uh, we have a mandatory retirement age for, for pilots. That's an international, you know, uh, item. Uh, so it, it's not just simply a matter of, well, geez, we'll get somebody to work an extra couple, two or three years. I mean, they, when, when they hit the magic number, whether it's 60, 65 or whatever, depending on what country you're in, uh, you're retired. That's simple as that. And then on top of that, we have an issue with intake, bringing young men and women into the system. And, uh, unfortunately it's, is because of, of the cost of pilot training and whatever. It's not something that everybody can sort of look at. So, we have a supply and demand issue now that's got a huge demand with a very limited supply. Right. And there's no shortcut, I guess, to, to getting more pilots in the mix. Oh, no. You're not gonna, it's not like you know, going down to the local uh, fast food and grabbing yourself a burger and, and hiring somebody to cook the burger. I mean, it's, it's, this is a, a fairly lengthy process. If I take, you know, when I was involved in, in pilot training years ago, I mean, it, it would take us... Uh, uh, upwards of 14 to 18 months to fully train a person to be capable of working for uh, an airline. And then on top of that, the airline takes over at that stage once they hire somebody, and they have to do specific aircraft type training, company training, which can also add quite a few months onto the, onto the exercise. So, you know, from start to scratch, you're doing good if you're getting somebody from, from, 
you know, brand new, never flew an airplane before to sitting in an airliner, if you can do it under two years, you're doing pretty solid. Right. So what what seems to be the, the ratio for airlines in terms of, you know, the number of uh, planes they're running and, and the number of pilots they need? Well, it depends on the type of operation, but the, the rule of thumb is anywhere from 16 to 20 pilots per airplane. Um so that means, you know, if I've got if I've got ten airplanes and I'm, I look at the higher end of that ratio, you're looking at two hundred pilots. And in Canada, we produce up, you know, in in the last. If you look at the the, the statistics from the last few years, uh, we sort of average around thirteen hundred pilots, new commercial pilots a year. Trouble with that is, is because Canada's reputation is so good, and because we are actually very very good at training pilots. We have a lot of international market, so literally 50% of that number on average are foreign nationals who basically go back to their home country. So, you know, we're, we're barely producing five to 600 pilots a year in this country, and numbers show us, you know, based on previous studies that have been done, that we really need somewhere in the vicinity of seven to 800 pilots to, to simply maintain uh, the industry where it is, let, let alone significant growth. So when we saw Flare and Lynx and Swoop start up here in Canada, did, did they just simply poach pilots from, from the other airlines? Uh, it, it's a supply and demand issue. It's yeah. like, you know, it's just the, the market we live in. And, and if, if you have young aviators who look at that and they say, you know what, I could, you know, if I, I'm going to make an extra few dollars, or I prefer that airline because of the places they fly to, or whatever. Uh, they have their own personal reasons why they might decide to move into another airline. You know, it's it, it's a competition out there. There's no question about it. And the airlines are are you know doing their best to attract young men and women that will you know obviously fill their seats and and stay with them for a, a fair you know length of time. Uh, but there is a lot of movement movement in the industry. I see it, you know, when I look at some of the students that I trained years ago, they continue to move up the ladder and, and, you know, move to different airlines. And it's just it's just the system that, that, that it is because of the demand. Okay, so what are some potential solutions here? Should we make it easier for uh, foreign pilots or foreign trained pilots to, to work in Canada? Uh, that that might be a short-term solution, but I don't think it's a permanent solution. We have lots of young men and women in this country who really should be occupying those seats, but the trick is, is to get them the training. Right now, you know, the average student would, would probably spend upwards of $100,000 to get that training. We fought for years. I know when I was in the flight training industry, we used to argue all the time about the way, for example, student loan systems were set up because they're based on a university model, rightly so. But it, it made it really tough for us to get, you know, solid funding or significant funding for a student. I know, you know, back 10 years ago, I'm sure it's probably not that much different today, but back 10, 15 years ago, out of a $100,000, you know, training requirement, uh, they were lucky to get $20,000 in student loans. So they had to come up with the other 80000 And I remember talking to parents who literally remortgaged their house uh, to get their young you know, son or daughter in, in, in the flying business. And the, one of the issues is, of course, because of the cost of flying and everything else, uh, they're trying to keep the cost down and, and remain very competitive. So that means that your, your starting salaries 
for these young men and women is not great. So, you know, I've just paid $100,000 to become a pilot, and I'm basically starting at the bottom of the ladder, and I'm, you know, making maybe thirty, thirty-five thousand a year. Now, that, as they move up in the company and they move from the first officer to captain, I mean, that salary changes pretty significantly. Now, we have seen a noticeable increase in salaries over the last few years, literally because of the demand. Um, But, I mean, it's still, it's still a, you know, that initial two or three years in the aviation business, aviation business for young men and women is tough. And the thing is, 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 you know, a lot of these young men and women, they're, they're going to be starting in some of the smaller corporate companies, if you will, or, you know, to do cargo runs and, and medevacs and those types of things. And, and those are the companies that are really going to be hurting because, you know, once a person gets a, a, a sort of the required time, the airline hires them. And then all of a sudden, the, the you know this this specialty operator has to go around looking for more pilots, and uh, that they're the ones that are probably going to take a big brunt. So the end result is is you know things like our northern communities and 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 those types of things. They're they're you know they're going to suffer for this because we're not going to be able to provide the services that we have historically provided to them. What's the thing? I mean, are, are things going to get worse before they get better? Do you think? Oh, I don't see it getting better for the next few years. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I I I think it's it's really going to depend a combination of you know if we can ramp up the training and the infrastructure training infrastructure is there. All right, we have a, a, you know world class flight training establishments in this country. Capacity to train young new men and women is is not. That, that's not the issue for, for all intents and purposes. The issue is getting them in the door and and making sure that they can afford the training. So, if, you know, I think what's going to happen here over the next few years, and it's already we're already seeing it happening in some cases, is the airlines are starting to seriously look at partnerships, at, at you know exercises where they can they can work with hand in hand with the flight school. So, if if I'm a young student and I know I'm going to be laying out a hundred thousand, but I literally have, upon successful completion of training, a job waiting for me, mm-hmm. that makes it a little bit more palatable. All right, so. You know the the thing is is there there is movements in the right direction, but I, I think it's unfortunately there's still a lot more talk going on than than actual action. Well, and look, you you worked in this industry a long time. I mean, you know, to what extent were these challenges or these problems present? You know, twenty five years ago. What what's unique about today? Well, I'll tell you. I started fifty years ago, and when I started in the industry. Uh, it, to get into the airlines, you were looking at probably a anywhere from a five to ten year, you know, wait as a as a young flight instructor. They, there was just no movement. There was no growth in the industry per se. And then over the years, of course, we we got deregulation. We had new airline startups and so forth. And and the demand, you know, no pun intended, the, the industry's had its ups and downs when it comes to demand for pilots. But there's always been, if you looked at the numbers and you looked at, at, at just simple demographics, you could tell that this was literally a very small wave that was gradually getting bigger and bigger until now you've got literally a tsunami uh, hitting us. So the end result was, is you know, in the late 90s, there was a, a big push for new pilots. There was, a, once again, a demand for pilots. And I remember seeing some of my flight instructors 
would literally start working as a flight instructor on the Monday. And by Friday, they were giving me their notice because they just got hired by another company to fly for the airlines. And then it died down again. After 9-11, of course, it, it took a major hit. And then all of a sudden, picks up again. And then COVID hits and it dies down again. So it, it's, it's an up and down exercise. But the overall trend has always been positive. It's always been a very significant growth pattern to to the requirement for pilots. And I would point out, too, that we focus on pilots because we see them. The people we don't see are the people who work in fixed airplanes. And there's a, you know, there's a a looming shortage of those folks as well. So, you know, it's it's not just the pilots that are, are going to be a shortage going forward. I think there needs to be a lot of work done on the maintenance side as well to attract young men and women into the world of maintenance. Really interesting. I appreciate the perspective and insight, Mike. Thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. (laughs) For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.